Thank you, Connie. Bowen, what was the prelude? Elliot, do you recognize the prelude? William? <laughs> what was it? Bob Dylan, the times they are changing. Elliot, you disappoint me, or William, you disappoint me. But <laughs> so, the times they are changing. It is wonderful. To know that Elliot knows that song. You do know it, don't you, Elliot? Yeah, you've played it. I should have had you play it. Sing it and belt it out. Uh, we're waiting for you at Menostock. Um, yeah, they're changing. And uh, I'm not sure they're changing in the same direction as when he wrote that song. Oh, uh, And William just pulled it out. I just said, hey, you want to do this for Prelude? And he said, yes. <laughs> um, and I have hope because of you guys and your vision and your understanding of justice. I confess, um, my soul cries out. In that verse, the world is about to turn is hard for me to see. I think the world is about to burn. We'll see if we can use this new technology, but I have my paper here. If it goes to sleeper, I go to sleeper. I have seen people care more about concepts and care about people. I have seen the abused lie low while the abusers ascend into high offices in government or the church. I've seen walls go up after a wall came down. I have seen the people who destabilized Latin America destabilize the Middle East. I have seen tall towers fall. I have seen George Washington's gift of a peaceful transfer of power die along with those who were assigned to protect our government. I have seen the thermometer rise as the vegetation cries out, I cannot breathe. I have seen the least of these wither and die. Like Jeremiah, I call out to God, you are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why does the faithless live at ease? God responded to Jeremiah, If you raced with men on foot, and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets of the Jordan? I can become overwhelmed but as a student of history, I realize injustice is nothing new. In Matthew 24, Jesus tells his disciples, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. 
You will hear of wars and rumor of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various forms. All these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to the, and be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. A decade before I was born, and a year before the Cuban Revolution, you know you're an old man when you skip a whole paragraph. <laughs> you know you're an old man when you go to Hulu to watch the old man, and you wonder why the old man isn't fishing. Okay, for you youngins, I'll unpack that for you. A decade, um, I have parental controls on my TV. I can only watch what William lets me watch. Thank you, William. <laughs> a decade before I was born and a year before the Cuban Revolution, Ernest Hemingway uh, published the novella, The Old Man in the Sea. In this story, we learn of the importance of faithfully living our lives in spite of the trials and tribulations we face. Published in Hemingway's last decade of life, it seems to reflect his appreciation of the rituals of his Catholic faith. In the story, Santiago is an old Cuban fisherman who is ostracized because he's not caught a fish um, in months. His apprentice, Mandolin, who represents an uncompromised love and fidelity, is forbidden by his parents to ride with the unlucky Santiago. However, Mandolin greets the old fisherman each day uh, the old fisherman returns from the sea, giving him food, helping him to store his gear, and informing Santiago of the accomplishments of the New York's Yankees, Joe DiMaggio. Uh, Santiago reflects, but I must have confidence and I must be worthy of the great DiMaggio who does all things perfectly even with the pain of the foot spur or heel spur. DiMaggio, who was actually a son of a San Francisco uh, fisherman, is devoted to the playing of the game of baseball in the proper way, as Santiago is devoted to fishing in the proper way. Eventually, because Santiago faithfully continues his routines, he lands a huge marlin. It takes Santiago three days uh, to reel him in, and because he's alone on the ship, he cannot pull him into the boat by himself. So he drags it by uh, his boat. By the time he arrives at shore late at night, the sharks have eaten the entire uh, marlin, except for the skeleton, leaving, its, uh, leaving only its Santiago heads to bed feeling vindicated and having sweet dreams. As the other fishermen arise in the morning, they gather around the boat and speak highly of Santiago as, the measure, as they measure the record-breaking size of the marlin skeleton. Santiago has nothing more than in the beginning of the story except the respect of the community. 
Watching the old man on Hulu, Dan Chase is in some sort of sh is the same sort of shuffling old man that Santiago was, quietly going about his isolated routine. However, in the first few minutes, there's an intruder, and the old man solves his problem with a bullet. The series is based on Thomas Perry's 2017 novel of the same name, although, although the book is set in Libya rather than Afghanistan. Same story, different war. We've got plenty to choose from. Pick one. The series has many twists and turns with many intriguing surprises as we learn Dan Chase is a former CIA agent in hiding. In an interview, Perry explains, Chase operates on the most basic law of the planet. If someone is trying to kill you, there are no rules. We will see what happens if someone doesn't renew their contract for the second season, but so far all the main characters survive their injuries, although their loyalties shift. However, the men on the periphery are killed off rather easily, without much thought or remorse. While there's much intrigue and mystery, it's the same old story that began with Cain and Abel, I can solve my problem with violence. I may prefer Hemingway's story of the old man to the sea to Hulu's old man, but I am a little concerned with Hemingway's view of masculinity that largely shaped the 20th century. In her book, Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation, Christina Cobus de May exposes how American evangelical leaders have replaced the Jesus of the gospel with the idol of rugged masculinity and Christian nationalism. She begins her book looking at the church about 15 years before I was born. I understand the book easily because I've lived the events. They helped shape to who, who I am today. I recall clearly in the 1990s working two blocks from here in my basement listening to Focus on the Family as James Dobson was lamenting the election of Clinton and the lack of progress under the Reagan presidency. He called forth the conservative evangelicals to start at the bottom and to work upward, running for school boards and local offices. I recall decades ago when Leora's uncle Ed, a Mennonite pastor in Wadsworth, declined the offer to speak on WCRF, the Moody Bible Institute radio station out of Cleveland, citing that um, the uniting beliefs of the radio station was not Jesus, the Bible, nor theology, but merely a conservative political agenda. I still have a preset on my large and oversized stereo, which you have in your phone. But it has been years since I've listened. I wonder, when did I stop listening? In 2012, five years before Alyssa Milano accelerated the Me Too movement with um, my eighth grade social studies teacher, Joe Yoder, published a historical fiction account of the Amish Mennonite culture I grew up in. Sins of the Father covers the 100-year history of the Amish Mennonites in Hartville. Many community members were upset with him as he exposed secrets of sexual abuse from the ruling male patriarchal society. In the book, he laments the ignorance of the community as the Anabaptist teaching of Jesus were replaced with what DeMay would label toxic masculinity and Christian nationalism. Yoder laments, we have paid a high price for our sins. Today, one could say our churches are not very radical and not very Anabaptist in the Hartville community. 
Maple Grove is the only one with a concentrated effort to maintaining the Anabaptist vision. He goes on to lament that Lake Center School, where he taught me about the radical Jesus I now know, um, but uh, is now an evangelical school with a little radical Anabaptist flavor. In 2007, Yoder gave the first commencement speech for the first high school graduating class of Lake Center. Having spent 30 years at Lake Center, he was dismayed as the audience seemed unresponsive to the radical Jesus, hard-hitting Anabaptist message. He may have well have spoken in Spanish or Swahili. He concludes his book with the realization that the Anabaptist vision is no longer appreciated in his home community. What is true of Hartville is symptomatic of communities across America. It seems as though the Mennonite church is at a crossroads. Many communities that helped form me become, have become places where the radical Jesus of the gospel and I are no longer welcome. I used to say Kidron was a little hick town with a global awareness. Many of the residents uh, have lived in other countries serving Jesus with Mennonite missions or Mennonite Central Committee. Now, my Amish neighbor is willing to use uh, his shotgun to defend his family from the attacks, if attacked by ISIS. It seems a church, including the Amish church, is resorting to the methods of this world to defeat the perceived evil around them. I fear Kidron is merely a decade behind Hartville. In light of this tremendous amount of evil around us, how do we keep from becoming overwhelmed with evil? By abiding with Jesus. It is what we commit ourselves to each year. While it may feel like the world is crumbling around us, we commit to hanging out with Jesus and each other. To you, my covenanting family, I thank you for providing me a safe place to abide with Jesus. In January this year, during our covenanting Sunday, Pastor Sean reflected on the Covidian exile, focusing on Lamentations 3. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Pastor Sean reminded us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It is the reality that supersedes my current situation. So often I'm tempted to respond to evil with evil, but I know that is not the reality of the situation. Paul tells us, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor, fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Leora left Deb's party last night and said, we need more of that. We just need to hang out together. 
In March, during a chapel at Central Christian School, I was asked to share what we are looking forward to this spring. As I was preparing my response to that question, Russia invaded Ukraine with one more war. I reflected in that chapel. As we move from winter to spring, I will continue focusing on Pastor Sean Swanson's next sermon. I lament for those of you who do not have the privilege of learning from Pastor Sean and extend an invitation to come abide with us at First Mennonite in Southeast Canton. And may I say thank you Thank you to those of you who have filled the pulpit in his absence. It's a good community. I confess I often fail. Um, Pastor Sean's current sermon series is Who is Jesus? Focusing on Jesus abiding in us and working through us. I confess I often fail to see the reality of the steadfast love of the Lord. Since I began teaching in 1990, I have seen beautiful people ripped apart by the kingdoms of this world. I have prayed through a century of wars these past three decades. And now, once again, I come to church with bitterness and gall as war ravishes the lives of so many people in the Ukraine. On Sunday, Pastor Sean spoke of the healing of the blind man in John 9, entitling his sermon, A New Creation. In the words of N.T. Wright, chaos and misery of this present world is, it seems, the raw materials out of which the loving, wise, and just God is making his new creation. What new creation can we envision in the midst of this bitterness of war? Will I be like the Pharisees who respond to the newness of God's creation with fear and cynicism, or will I be like the man who is blind by birth and respond with love and wonder? A new creation is bursting all around us if we can see it. A hundred years ago, war, disease, and hunger were raging in the southern Russia, which is present-day Ukraine. Mennonites there wrote to their sisters and brothers in the United States and Canada, Dear brethren, Help us. We are perishing. On September 27, 1920, in Chicago, Illinois, God was abiding and working through the Mennonites as MCC held its first meeting to provide food for Mennonites starving in the Ukraine. They soon realized Jesus was working through them to help anyone in need. MCC's first relief kitchen in present-day Ukraine opened in Koritsa, a century ago, on March 16, 1922. I'm looking for what new creation is being cultivated within us here in this room as we embrace the reality that supersedes our current situation. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Do not be deceived with the false doctrines of those who come in Jesus' name telling you that we must use violence to create peace but stand firm and learn to see the loving response to the radical Jesus who allowed himself to be violently crucified so we may become new creations who become the body of Christ, spreading the steadfast love of the Lord. Amen.